It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. History That Doesn't Suck is a bi-weekly podcast delivering a legit, seriously researched, hard-hitting survey of American history through entertaining stories. If you'd like to support HTDS or enjoy some perks, like ad-free early episodes for $2 a month, please consider giving at patreon.com forward slash history that doesn't suck. To keep up with HTDS news, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Welcome to History That Doesn't Suck. I'm your professor, Greg Jackson, and today we're having an interlude. I think that's the term we went with, right? Yeah. Right, my friends? Interlude, definitely. Right. So as you longtime listeners know, we do a little epilogue of sorts when we get done with the section. The Civil War is so long. (laughs) Yeah, we're still in it. We're still Still going. Going strong, plenty more to go. So we thought we'd go ahead and kind of catch our breath and review some things. Uh, we want to talk through some of the major characters, if you will, the the big people, uh, do a little bit of historical review. And of course, we've got my most recent mispronounced geographical locations and and all, all that fun stuff. So yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So for those of you who are just discovering the podcast, uh, of course, by all means, give the give this a listen. We might recommend that you go listen to one of the narrated story episodes first. But um, I am Greg, and as always, Josh is here. How's it going, everybody? And CL. Hey, guys. I just wanted to hear the hey, guys. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> yeah. It's legendary. Just had to set it up. It is legendary. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into uh, a few corrections on... Some pronunciations. Uh, thank you to Katie in Illinois and someone else on Patreon, and I can't rem- remember who it was, and I couldn't track down the name. So my apologies. But in episode forty-seven, we talked about Cairo, Illinois. That's how it's said. It is how it's said. It's spelled Cairo. Super spelled Cairo. <laughs> but it's not. It's Cairo. So thank you, Katie, for letting us know. Yep. Uh, the the joys of regional pronunciations, uh, and. W- Cairo is going to be coming up, I believe, in... In like four or five yeah. episodes. We'll get back there just for a minute. So thanks. So we'll, yeah, and we'll do it right this time. It'll be great. Uh, pronunciation of Tecumseh. That's how it said out where Tecumseh lived. Both the Shawnee leader of uh, War of 1812 fame and uh, Tecumseh William Sherman, who is the, the Civil War general that we're talking about much more of late. Uh, out West, I've always heard it growing up as... Uh, Tecumseh. Is that how I was seen before? Now I can't I mean, remember. Yeah, that's but, how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. But yeah. That, that's, the, that's just what I heard in classrooms and so forth. But I want to say thank you to Brittany out in West Virginia who let me know how it's set out, you know, in their environs to throw in a little, little French word. So we're sticking with that from here on out, which you may as well notice. Um, moving right along from Kate. Uh, Mar- I said Maria's Heights when we were talking about the Battle of Fredericksburg. Yeah, Maria's Heights. Maria's Heights. Yeah. Uh, Kate's a local and said that's that's how they say it out there. 
our pronunciation was based off of what we saw in the National Park Service's video. So National Parks, step it up. Or maybe they're going with the historical pronunciation. Yeah, who knows? Changed, right? But there you go. So moving right along, we have a really fun correction, and this is based on some statements I think I made, if or we made. Yeah, I think you said them in our last epilogue. Yes, in the last epilogue. So we were discussing the expansion of slavery and how slavery hit a little bit of a snag in its Western, Western expansion in the South, because of course you get to the desert and it's really hard to have a cotton plantation in, say, Arizona. That is how we learned that Arizona cranks out cotton today. Yeah, it turns out it's not difficult at all to grow cotton in Arizona. I mean, all you <laughs> need today. is yeah, you all, need all you need today. is modern day irrigation. Exactly. So, so in the and I appreciated the, those who emailed uh, said totally get what you mean in historical context, but kind of fun to know now that Arizona actually produces a lot of cotton. So this is an email from Eric in Oregon. The Phoenix area is actually a major producer of cotton, but to be fair, that did not occur until the early 20th century. I was just amused. It's like saying you don't go to California to find gold or you don't go to Oregon to grow hops. Fair enough, Eric. And Mike in Arizona itself, he said Arizona is known for the five C's, which are copper, cattle, cotton, citrus, and climate. So with modern irrigation, yes, it apparently is a great place to grow cotton. Um, and an article, if you really want to narrow down this, that I found online, produced by the Arizona Farm Bureau. So this is at azfb.org. Uh, the article is entitled, Why in God's Name Are We Growing Cotton in the Desert? It sounds fun. It I can't wait get, to read it. It doesn't get better than that. Come on. No, it doesn't. <laughs> You're such liars. Uh, <laughs> but... I sound like a professor that's trying to give out an article they need to read. That's right. <laughs> trying to sell it really hard, yeah, but also it's this really... will be on the test, so you have to read it. Exactly. And Josh, you're having flashbacks to classes. You there's one question yeah. that's like, a place where they grew cotton in the 20th century in the desert. Exactly. So there we go. Um, you know, it's it's always when you step out of your lane a little bit, right? That's, that's where the, mm-hmm. that's where those sorts of little things can creep in. Okay. We also wanted to address a question that a number of uh, teachers, honestly, first and foremost, but a few others have asked about, and that's getting their hands on transcripts of the episodes. Which is tricky because when you look at our scripts, they make sense to us. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of highlighting, color coding for sound effects and different things. And so they're kind of a mess. But we hear what you're saying. You want to have access to the scripts for students to read along, uh, for students who don't have access to podcast technology. So well, we've and, been working on this. And uh, at least one professor in Texas emailed about uh, ADA uh, yeah. requirements, yeah. right? Yeah. She, so she wanted to assign a podcast episode, but of course- You have to it, stay compliant so that those who can't yeah, listen to it- Yeah, someone can't listen, you know, they need to be able to read. So- hear you loud and clear we have been busting our backsides putting these into basically um you know legible forms with the proper citations right uh, cleaned up so that it yeah so that it has a more basically we've we've changed this from being uh being scripts to reading like uh, like a term paper well well, more reading like a, bu- a book chapter, right? So we've got some images for people to see. Um, you know, we've got some text boxes for people to get a little bit more background. We've got actually we've got a text box on Lawrence Washington. 
right? right? So we're going to give a little bit more background on him because, yeah, he's not central to the story, but it's cool. So, well, and there are so many things that we couldn't include that <laughs> that are really interesting and we yeah. think you would enjoy. So, first of all, CL explains this a million times better than me. I need to shut up and let her do more of the explaining. <laughs> but second, yes, this this will be available. We're we're going to sell them on our website, historythatdoesn'tsuck.com. I'm not going to promise a deadline, but within the very near future. Yeah, we've got the first few ready to roll out, um, but we're waiting to have a few more. And so that way you can you can purchase and download as a PDF either one episode at a time or groups of episodes at a small discount. Yep. Yeah. So we'll get the revolution out at least probably within the next mm, weeks-ish. Yeah. To maybe a month or so. And to the teachers who are thinking, okay, so now I'm going to have to buy a copy for each student. You have our blessing. Yep. You buy one download, photocopy, photocopy it, pass it out, out to your class. Absolutely. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, we understand that you've got some budget limits. We also understand you might not have a working photocopier at your school. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so do, just whatever you got to do. do. Do what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Teachers. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for the teachers. All right. So Scott from Southern California wanted to know why CL and Josh don't read some of the quotes, you know, mix up the voice a little bit. And it's a fair question, Scott. So thanks for sending it in. Um, we've definitely talked a lot about it as a team. Yeah. And what we decided is that, you know, when we started the podcast, Greg just read all of the scripts, right? And by the time we got big enough to even consider having someone else go behind the mic and maybe be a voice for a certain character we were already too far down that road and we just feel like the consistency and keeping the consistency of how we tell a story is more important than bringing in different voices. It it also is going to add a lot of complexity and work too. Yeah. Not that we already don't have a ton of work to make the <laughs> episode itself, but um, maybe clear down the line, you know, when we're way bigger, we actually can dramatize things a little more and have some voice actors or something. But, Truthfully, I think that'd be a different, but if, I, if we launched another show at some right. point, right? Like, well, I, I think it'd be fun to do something that is more, yeah, you know, like like what, like eighteen sixty five, exactly, like yeah. there, something right? like that. Yeah. But we have considered that once we get into a more modern era and we've got audio clips of the actual person giving oh, yeah. the speech, yeah, whoever that might be, sure. we're, looking forward we, to that. we're definitely hoping to be able to legally yeah use that's, some of those that's gonna be clips. the tricky thing as long as we can figure out how to do that with permission of um, right because yeah what why do i want to read say fdr speech right after pearl harbor when we can play, play the that, audio clip right that's that's way more powerful that's cool right so again no promises <laughs> yes <but something laughs> no promises we're looking forward to sure so on to uh just two other two two three other things we other emails we wanted to, to get to uh, just wanted to say a thank you to William out in Alabama. He wrote us to mention that um, listening to History That Doesn't Suck has kind of helped him face down, I, I guess, would the best way to, to put this be, you know, the the demons a little bit of, he, he has a, a family history, um, his ancestors owned slaves, and understandably that is, that's, that's kind of, it's difficult to yeah. acknowledge. Yeah. And for a lot of years, a lot of people tried to ignore those kinds of things. Yeah. So glad to be, you know, hitting this stuff straight on and seeing that that can be of helpful, um, can be of helpful. What on earth? What language <laughs> can be helpful to, uh, to William. And, you know, if there's anyone else in that camp, great. I, I, I hope that that's, that's happened for a lot of people. That's part of the power of really 
hitting history straight on straight and on. not trying to to dance around it definitely you know we lastly just want to say thank you to those of you who have joined the patreon community it was great to be able to ask about say the accents we, and we've asked about other questions as well uh, we're closing in on the 200 goal that we had set a few months back and it's really it's just fantastic getting to connect with a number of you and having that as a resource so right yeah thank you. It, it's really awesome really thank you ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, oh, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so that does it for the emails and the questions and you know, kind of the housekeeping, right? Let's go ahead and get into a little bit of discussion, make sure that people have kept track of you know, where we're at as we're in the heat of the Civil War. We're two years in. First of all, I just want to go over what we're, we're dubbing our cast of characters. Right? right. Sticking with our story theme. The main people who you probably have heard a lot about are definitely going to hear a lot more about. And we just want to make sure you're keeping track of who they are. And don't worry, the list is really short. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go through this though quickly. Oh. <laughs> uh, Okay, so, of course, we will start with the gangly Illinois rail splitter himself, Abraham Lincoln, president of the United States. I hope that's pretty yeah, obvious for most of 16th president. You've probably heard of him. <laughs> Time or two. So, a uh, fun fact about him, though, that I want to remind listeners of. This was mentioned in the episode where we first introduced Abraham Lincoln, but as as well, I'd assume you all know by this point, we like to get closer to the characters by not falling into that more distant scene, calling them by their last name. Yeah. yeah. Right. We use first names and nicknames. Yeah. And often we're, we're using names that they went by, you know, because. Yes. I mean, I was just thinking about this even the other day with, you know, in terms of episode one to say that Washington defended Fort Necessity is very different from George got his ass handed to him. At, it's very, you more, know, yeah, much more just, personal. Exactly. You connect a lot more with these people. I mean, how many people have emailed into us that they cried when some of these characters died? Right. When right? George dies, when Alexander Hamilton dies. Yes. Yeah. So if you're wondering why on earth is Lincoln Lincoln, shouldn't he be Abe? Well, we want to remind you, he hated being called Abe. Abe. So his friends and family did not call him. Uh, well, when he was a little kid, he was called Abe, but he hated it. And as he got older, yeah, that was, he went by Lincoln. He yeah. went by his last name. He was, you know, like that guy who was the 
captain of the football team and just keeps going by his last name. That's sort of a <laughs> only Lincoln's thing. way cooler way, than that. Way cooler yeah. than that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to say that. Our apologies to all the varsity football players listening. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why we call him Lincoln. And his two of his right hand men, right, his cabinet, who have the best nicknames, are Edwin Stanton, the Secretary of War and Gideon Wells, Secretary of the Navy. So in a little nod to Greco-Roman mythology, they are Mars and Neptune, the god of war, god of the sea. It's fun. And, and, and I've seen that about Lincoln. Yeah. You know? Well, Lincoln came up with those nicknames, and nobody nobody paid him a favor and gave him a Greco-Roman nickname back. You know, you just have to wonder, was, it, was he just digging for that the whole time? It's like, come on, guys. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. On, call like, I'm call pa- me Zeus already. I'm <laughs> passing names out left and right. No one's nicknaming me. Um, I mean, honestly, he probably had a lot more things to worry about. He, he definitely was not did. thinking. Why does no one call me a nickname? Well, he's called he's called lots of nicknames. Yeah, right? yeah true, not, true. Not, not, not within that vein. Um, I think it's fun though, just seeing more of Lincoln's personality. Oh yeah, right. Like that comes across, and that's where you know we always try to work in references to Mars and Neptune. We we like to do that. Um, see, I want you. Oh yeah, sure. So the rest, bit. I mean. Obviously, Lincoln has a big cabinet, but we don't care about all of them. The other two guys <laughs> that we do care about, I mean, we'll maybe mention their names here and there, but the other two big hitters are William Henry Seward and Sam and Chase. A quick note about William Henry Seward. He went by Henry as a child. We don't know what he went by as an adult. If he Not went by, time, yeah. if he went by Henry still, if he went by William, or if he went by Seward. So we typically call him William Henry or William Henry Seward. Uh, we're working on it. Yeah, you know, and I apologize for any time we've been inconsistent in that. Just listen right. for Seward. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, that if you're wondering why do they call him by all three names? Well, because again, we like to keep our first name thing going. But we, we do. But we do want to make sure that you're clear on who this who this fellow is. Yeah. And he's going to keep being important. So we'll keep calling him William Henry <laughs> Okay. So then we've got uh, Sam and Chase, who you know, was very much a rival of Lincoln's in the 1860 presidential election. And, you know. And kind of puts that rivalry away. Kind, yeah. Kind, kind of. of. <laughs> kind of. Enough. It, it puts it away enough. Yeah. So I wouldn't put him, you know, I don't see the two of them in a bromance. Definitely not. Yeah. But, you know, they, they work together. And it just felt right to remind you that Lincoln has a VP. <laughs> he doesn't really matter. No, I mean, yeah. no, he does. He does. He matters as a person, but he doesn't play a big role in decision making. So yeah. we don't mention him much. So, but for those of you who care, it's Hannibal Hamlin. So there you go. That I think might even, it's not the first time we mentioned him. We mentioned him in the 1860 election episode. Yeah, like two times at least. Yeah, <laughs> solid. That's a solid, solid third mention. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that does kind of the presidential administration moving into some union generals, and then we'll make our way to the Confederacy. Uh, Of course, we've got George B. McClellan. Little Mac. Little Little Mac. Mac. Little Napoleon. Thinks a lot of himself. Young young Napoleon, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Young Napoleon. Yeah. Yeah. The overplanner, the less, less doing, more planning. Right. As one historian has said, he was a perfectionist in a profession that didn't allow for perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And uh, Do you remember who said that? McPherson. There it is. Of yeah. course, it's McPherson. I know. McPherson yeah. is amazing. It, 
If you're looking for, yeah, book recommendation right now, by the way, just anything by James McPherson when it comes to the Civil War. Yeah. Pretty much. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're you're just fine. It's just, uh, yeah, he he's a perfectionist and it yeah. slows him down and it really gets in the way of him doing a decent job as general. I've loved <laughs> reading his letters and just seeing how convinced he is that he is truly God's gift to the U.S. military. Yeah. It is... He does think that. He really does. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> We're I'm not, not exaggerating. exaggerating. Yeah. And so he is also the first general in chief. We very recently heard about his firing. That was one of the openings to a, a recent episode. And um, he's replaced in that role by Henry Halleck, a.k.a. Old Brains, which is our preferred moniker for the guy. Exactly. That's what his soldiers underneath him called him because he was really well educated. He was another he's a West brilliant, Point yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a brilliant guy. Um, again, a, a little slow, careful, cautious, mm-hmm. um, but brilliant nonetheless. Yes. And known for his his bookishness and interest in promoting those with more bookishness. He, d- he did not care for people who lacked pedigree. He did play favorites with people who had West Point on their yeah, resume. I don't know. Is that a little bit too loose of a generalization? No. Okay. Feel, feel good about that. All right. Ulysses. Hmm. Ulysses. Ulysses. Such a powerful name. Yeah. Ulysses yeah. S, quote unquote, <laughs> yeah. Grant, as you heard in the episodes, that wasn't yeah, his name. <laughs> let's not re-explain. But yes, Ulysses S. Grant. And again, we like to call him as he was called by his friends. So Ulysses. Ulyss. We often just simplify it to that. He's also um, S. Grant at times. There's Sam is thrown in there for this middle name that he didn't have at birth. Anyhow, yeah, he's going to keep playing a big role. No, yeah, <laughs> spoiler spo- alert, <laughs> spoiler hurt history or anything, right? Yeah, yeah, the f- future president, at any rate, and his his best buddy, William Tecumseh Sherman, and that's a fun story. His name, yeah, his dad had a lot of respect for the way um, Tecumseh, the Shawnee warrior, fought. Um, in way back in the War yeah, of 1812. War of 1812. Mm-hmm. And so he was named for that warrior. Um, and that is the name he went by. Even though his first name is William, he wasn't actually given the name William. No, it was tacked on at baptism because the... <laughs> yeah, he's like nine years old. They're like, yeah, he needs a... Yeah, the, the, the clergyman was like, no, not... Yeah. He, he needs a quote-unquote Christian, Christian name. name. Yeah. So they... They just they pulled one out William of the hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <on> right. <laughs> and yeah, he just kind of ditches it. So sure, it's it's technically there legally, but and Kump is really what he was known by his. Uh, yeah, his friends and family call him that. Mm-hmm. All right, so Ambrose Burnside, the Burns, the yeah. Burns, the side yeah. Burns, oh, side they burn. are epic sideburns. Yeah, and, and so for those of you who haven't seen a picture of him. These amazing, it's it's not just sideburns. It goes up. He shaves his chin. Imagine so. you took 70s shag carpet. Yes. You cut pieces out of it and you just staple them on each side of your face. Oh, and a mustache yes, too to connect up. them. <laughs> yeah. So he's shaving his neck and uh, chin, but all the rest of that is just this magical, ever flowing, unceasing stream <laughs> of facial hair. 
it's a pretty cool look. And it is, as we've probably told you five times, and apparently that's just our favorite factoid to remind people of, it is where we get the term sideburns from. Mm-hmm. Right. It's too bad they can't save him in a few battles, you know, give him magical powers. But... No, yeah, they clearly did not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't turn him into a military genius. <laughs> no, most unfortunate. If it did, the war would have been over a lot sooner. Yeah, Fredericksburg would have gone better. Okay, and Mary Lincoln. Yeah, she's our last... Uh, union side character that we're going to cover here in this episode but we just feel like she plays a big role and um well she's fascinating because with her kentucky roots which lincoln has as well but she has so much family here she is the first lady of the united states and she's got a ton of family in gray and butternut Yep. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, her family split about 50 50, just like a lot of other Kentucky families. And it's really yeah. painful for her. So, and she keeps her efforts to be charitable um, quiet. And so she doesn't get a lot of credit. She gets uh, pretty beat up in the press a lot for her supposed Confederate sympathies, which she, of course, does not have, but she does have family members with Confederate sympathies. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. My name is Wesley Livesey from the History of the Second World War podcast. My podcast is a mostly chronological retelling of the Second World War, and I hope you will join me on a journey through the most cataclysmic conflict in human history as we try to answer the questions of not just what and where, but how and why. Join me on a journey, not just through the famous campaigns, battles, and events, but also on a trip around the globe as we broaden the scope of Second World War history beyond the well-known battlefields of Europe and the Pacific. During weekly episodes, I seek to provide new insight for longtime students of the war, while also being a great jumping-on point for anyone seeking a deeper understanding of the Second World War. This podcast has made it to the invasion of Poland in 1939, and start listening now to find out how the world would find itself embroiled in its second worldwide conflict in just 20 years. You can find History of the Second World War on all major podcast platforms or at History of the Second World War. All right, so enough on the Union side. Jumping to the Confederacy. To the Confederacy. So we'll go in the same order. Let's start with the president. Jeff Davis. Je- Jefferson Davis. Sorry, Jefferson. Yes. I'm so used to calling him Jeff. Because he's Jeff. Because he's Jeff. Yeah. That is his nickname all his yeah, life. That It's what, again, close friends and family knew him as. So that's, again, the, the contrast between the presidents, right? We call Lincoln Lincoln because that's what his friends and family call him. Jeff. Jefferson Jeff. Davis is Jeff because that's what his friends and family right. know him as. Um, 
I still think his goatee is not as strong as Ambrose's burn sideburns. <laughs> Definitely not. No. But um, fun things uh, about Jeff, he he has some he has thin skin. He does. He's very easily offended. He's aware of that. Uh, I can respect the. I don't know. There's something to be said for people who can at least acknowledge, you know, their yeah, their faults. Yeah. So he knows it. He there, there's at least one time I, I remember him writing to his wife, basically saying, "Ugh, I I wish I were better on this. I've got to do better." But he he never really does. He doesn't. He does try, but he has a quick temper and he's easily offended, and it does affect his ability to lead. Yeah. So he he probably wouldn't appreciate the voice in which I read him. But you know that's <laughs> that's okay. We 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 bring him to life anyhow. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, well, no, there really isn't much need to talk about his cabinet, to be honest. Well, I mean, he's a micromanager, so he has a cabinet, but he doesn't utilize them. So they aren't powerful, big characters. There's a lot of turnover as well. And we referenced some of them just in the last episode. Um, we talked about, um, Thomas Jefferson's grandson, uh, geez, what was his first name? But Randolph, who does a little stint in there. Oh, excuse me. No, we haven't talked about that. Sorry, everyone. I'm thinking of a script that I've written. You can look forward to that. That's coming. <laughs> it's going to be a great story. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, teaser. <laughs> so, you know, we do talk about some of his cabinet members, but uh, yeah, he's he's such a, and this is one of the struggles he faces throughout the war. It's one of the things that ends up hurting the Confederacy. He's just not able to really hand the reins off to, to someone else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just, again, he's a micromanager. One of my personal favorites, Pierre Gustave Touton Beauregard. Which is how he would have said it. <laughs> it is how he would have said it. Yeah. But yeah, GT, as he's often abbreviated as for Gustave Touton, GT, uh, Beauregard. Uh, we met him early on. He he was the, the hero as far as uh, the, the hero for the Confederacy at Fort Sumter. And we've also seen him not get along with uh, with Jeff. Yeah. So he ends up with kind of a backwoods assignment after he ticks off the president uh, one too many times. Now, and- this had to be really frustrating for our favorite Creole because being so far out and with restrictions from the war, he can no longer get his hands on his favorite uh, hair dyes. It's true. He does have to grow out his roots and admit that he's going gray <laughs> in his late 40s during the war. Hey, Bo- Beauregard, I mean, the, the name fit. He was a bow man, all right? <laughs> was that too nerdy of a French joke? No. no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, handsome guy and concerned about his hair. So, you know, he, he'd be doing um, commercials for... Yeah, he'd be doing know. Claire all commercials yeah. in the 21st <laughs> century. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Robert E. Lee, probably the most visible... Yeah, Definitely. Uh, general in the Confederacy, right? Right. We call him Bobby Lee. And uh, he's known by this, not just by his friends. Uh, that's actually what little Mac, George McClellan, calls Robert E. Lee in letters too. He calls him Bobby Lee. Yeah. So this is again another, you know, kind of in the same spirit. If you want to throw back to the American Revolution with us, remember James Madison, he had a, a nickname, Little Jenny, Jimmy. which... You know, I'm sure he didn't necessarily always appreciate. It. I kind of wonder where where uh, Robert E. Lee came on. 
I'm sure when it's Bobby from his friends and family, it's affectionate and fine. Sure. And and when it's from quote unquote enemy, you're like, yeah, probably mm, a little different. No, though, maybe he didn't care because he could just kick little Mac's butt all day long. Yeah, so. and he knew it. <laughs> he Pro- knew prove it on court, buddy. <laughs> I love some of the things he wrote as little Mac was getting fired. You know, about oh, like, yeah. Ooh, well, I hope they don't bring in someone. What was the term you used that, that I don't have such a great understanding Yes, for? we understand yeah. each other so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bob, Bobby Lee attacks with an inferior force. Young Napoleon runs. It's a, It was a perfect understanding as far as he's concerned. And doesn't pursue afterward. Yeah. Yeah. It was a solid relationship. Oh, okay. So he has some very capable generals uh, that are serving with him. One of them is Thomas Jackson, who we know as Stonewall. Yeah, and he gets that nickname at the first Battle of Bull Run, very opening of the war, and he is Stonewall the rest of the war. So that's what we call him. And we are not entirely sure if that was intended as a compliment, like, wow, he's like a Stonewall standing before fire, or if it was a comment on him being, and this would be uncharacteristic, by the way, but being lethargic, that he wasn't moving right in that moment. I think, total personal opinion here, I am under the impression that's probably more a positive connotation, but that's just my take, and there's zero way to prove this one way or another. CL, did you- Yeah, no, it's the guy who gives him that nickname dies an hour later, so we will, we'll never know. So it's stuck, but I guess I, I figure probably more positive in that it's stuck and his men knew he was a badass. So even if it was given with any sort of negative derision. That quickly wore off. Right. And he is a devout Christian. My goodness. Yes. Uh, He turns off some of his also Christian soldiers. Well, not like Christian. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I have the hymn in my head. But, (laughs) uh, you know, he, he has... I mean, many, most of his men are are Christian, but he's so adamant in his, uh, you know, his fervency. I guess his zealot, yeah, level. It there there are a few were kind of like, well, Stonewall, chill out, buddy. We get <laughs> calm, it. Calm down there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he and uh, he has some very cur- very weird. He's a weird dude. He period. is. He's, he's brilliant. Some, he's got some interesting habits. Yeah. Yeah, like putting his hand up to try and balance out the blood flow in his butt. All sorts of, yeah. Won't lean back because he doesn't want his organs to get out of alignment. Yeah, he's got some tics. Yeah. He's a weird guy. But it translates to brilliance on the battlefield. I mean, there are are literally things that he does that are still being studied in, um, in military schools now, today, in the 21st century. So... You know, the, the those weird ticks are, are put up with. And I always find it fascinating seeing the um, those union men that come in contact with him who often make comments about how really unintimidating his appearance is. He doesn't dress well. You know, he doesn't give off. He's not someone who like, say, George Washington mounted on his white horse with his regal looking uniform. George understood the power of you know, projecting an image. Yeah. Right. As humble as, as he was. Stonewall's more of a Zachary Taylor old rough and ready type. Yes. Yes. But, you know, it doesn't matter because his success on the battlefield is such that his, the whisper of his name just terrifies the boys in blue. 
All right. Have I have I nerded out on Stonewall sufficiently? I can see the nods. He's like, Greg, shut up. <laughs> we got Stonewall down. Okay, look, we'll be brief on the next one here. James Longstreet, our, our artillery man. Um, Pulls off amazing things in battle, and yep. he's definitely Bobby Lee's favorite right-hand man, and yeah, he's earned that position. Yeah. Uh, Bobby referred to him as his uh, his battle horse, I believe was was his little nickname we, we should work that one in a little bit more but you know whenever james happens to pop up, up i don't even know if we, i think we've called him mostly james longstreet because we haven't had him enough to, to kind of get this personal of, relationship yeah, with him because yeah. he's, he's kind of on the periphery he's usually there when we're, we're talking about bobby and he doesn't quite but he's he's dependable he's capable yeah so yeah very very much so so he's worth knowing absolutely okay and finally mary chestnut yeah, so she's not anyone with very much political clout. She's married to someone who's the personal aide of Jeff Davis. She keeps an amazingly detailed diary throughout the Civil War. And so a lot of historians say, if you really want to know what's going on behind the battle lines, Mary Chestnut's diary is the place to go. I'm going to throw in a caveat, though, real quick. Mary Chestnut is wealthy. Mary Chestnut is well-connected. So if you want to know what's going on with wealthy, well-connected, educated people in the Confederacy behind battle lines, yes, read Mary Chestnut. That is not the majority of people's experience. And you'll hear about that in later episodes. What? That doesn't reflect the majority. (laughs) I know, it's crazy that some rich white lady isn't having the majority (laughs) of somebody's experience. But excellent prose. Yes, and very detailed. So you really get to know a lot of political characters because she is a little bit tied in yeah. to Richmond elite. Yeah, so a, a great source. We just like all sources, right? We want to acknowledge what, what the shortcomings. Do we? Do we skip Jeb? Jeb Stewart? Oh, we totally skip Jeb. Oh, well, we can't skip Jeb. All right. I'm going to say the best beard in the Confederacy. <laughs> I'm going to say the best hat in the Confederacy. I was going to say, also, it's all about the hat. It is. It's all okay, about yeah. the hat. So James Ewell Brown Stewart and those four first names are where we get Jeb. And that's, that's what he went by again. So he's Jeb. Yes, I believe in a more recent episode, I've made some sort of joke about him most likely uh, to be mistaken for a Renaissance cosplay. Um, oh, if you imagine what the three musketeers looked like. Imagine the hat. Boom. You got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what this guy looked like. And it, it just, yeah, he's not, he's not joking around. Like, this is seriously how he dresses. Yeah. And, you know, he just has the panache to pull it off, too. Well, and then the capabilities on the battlefield to pull it off, too. I mean, because that's yeah. really what it he is, backs right? It up. Like, just like, so he's basically the opposite of Stonewall. Like in, in terms of their dress, you know, but no one's going to give Stonewall crap for looking like crap. No one's going to give Jeb crap for, you know, looking good. Well, like just <laughs> being up. so like, yes. Uh, so the dude has a massive ostrich feather coming out of his hat for crying out loud. Right. Like these are not things you think to yourself. That's what I want on the battlefield. People are going <laughs> to yeah. be shooting. I want the most ostentatious Hat. visible thing yeah possible near my head now sharpshooters i want them to know yeah i want them <laughs> knowing when i'm coming um but they're just so capable yeah it uh, i remember we i think did we work this into an episode or not right there's so many things we read and we discuss and sometimes they, they almost get in and then they don't and then i can't remember but his hat getting stolen yeah we worked we, that into an episode in. and it's yeah. it's great <laughs> he's a little indiana jones-ish about that hat he is like you do not mess with it <laughs> uh but he is a very capable cavalry man. i think i just made him plural cavalry man there we are 
Okay, so that's kind of in our estimation, the main cast of characters uh, up to this point. That does cover a lot of the cast of characters that we're going to have involved in the Civil War. Um, Heather, one of our patrons, did want to know who our favorite general is for both, for all three of us. So we'll keep it brief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly mine is McClellan. I mean, with hands down, <laughs> the best general of the Civil War. <laughs> just, Sorry, I couldn't help Josh, it. Jo- Josh respects a planner. I just respect a, a very intense planner, you know? Yeah. Well, and you respect Who, someone who's willing to write how great they are in every single letter they write to their wife, right? Oh, of course. And somebody who can just never perform, you know? I'm just really <laughs> loving that. No, I mean, I'm going to give... I, probably, I feel a little bad for young Napoleon, but you know, he kind of botched things. Um, Go ahead. Grant, I mean, that's probably most people's answer, but I just respect, immense respect. I just think as a general, um, I'm going to forget the battle. He And it might be coming up, I think it's coming up. He sends 7,000 men that die in a matter of an hour. And I, and I just, just moments like that where I cannot put myself in his shoes, you know? Yeah, those right. tough calls. Those tough, tough calls, right? Because as we're going to talk about here in a minute, we get into this this total war, right? This no mm-hmm. no longer this gentleman's war. And just throwing men over and over and over and over and trying to win positions. And I just, yeah, immense respect for Grant. Right. I think I'm going to have to go with, I mean, I think Grant is probably for me, but definitely a very, very close second is Grant's BFF. Sherman. Sherman. And uh, the reason I respect Sherman is that he doesn't look around and think this is where I want to be. He doesn't like war. He doesn't like that he has to go to total war. And one of my favorite quotes from him is war is hell. And when he looks around at the aftermath of the battles at which he commands, he knows it. And he, he does not glorify the war that has gotten him where he is. And later in his life, when he's offered a lot of political position because he is a war hero, he turns it down. And that I, I respect that a lot. So uh, I dig you list as well. Uh, just to mix it up, let me instead say my favorite Confederate general, because you've both already done the union. Um, I am just so fascinated by Stonewall. Like as as a person, I mean, it's part of where I kind of nerded out a little bit on some of his weird tics already. I just find him such a, I mean, the guy would have hated me, right? I'm such, I'm so given to making jokes and, you know, being irreverent and whatnot. I have no doubt he would have just thought I was the worst thing ever. But I find him so fascinating to uh, to study and his his breakneck marches, it's, He's, he's just such a fascinating character for me. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's a really interesting guy. Yeah. So I hope that helps everyone just keep names straight. I know there are there are so many people There's in the Civil War. And honestly, I didn't think we'd spend as many episodes on it as we have. Yet every time I ever mention to a, a patron or in some of these exchanges on social media, just like, yeah, sorry that you know we've gone so deep on the Civil War. Uh, I've yet to get anyone who said, yeah, I'm sorry too. It's always been, no, keep keep the detail. We we like the stories, so uh, don't worry. Plenty more to come. We've we've just gotten to where we're really shifting from the Gentlemen's War, where you know there's this hope and thought that the Union can kind of just come back together, maybe you know on the same terms. And, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation, which we covered in a recent episode, has really just altered the DNA of it. And 
uh, as you're going to see in the the next episode, we're going to get into the, some draft riots and and talking about how there are a number of Northerners who are not comfortable with with the war being um, uh, being about slavery and, and not just being about keeping the Union together, but in, including the idea that slavery is going to be uh, put out. Right. And we'll also see in that episode that there are a number of Southerners who are tired of fighting a rich man's war yeah. and feel like the burden of the war has been put on the poor people's backs and they are fighting back. So we're getting to some interesting twists and honestly, we're, we're getting to the really bad part. Yeah, like, I was going to say we're getting to the really gruesome, yeah, nitty gritty total I mean, war. We've gotten to taste it with some of those from Shiloh to say Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg, yeah. But it's just going to get... It's going to get worse before it gets better, as the saying goes, right? All right. So that's it for now. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Thanks, as always, for for listening. And uh, we look forward to coming at you again in two weeks, where we will tell you yet another story. History That Doesn't Suck is created and hosted by me, Greg Jackson. Researching and writing, Greg Jackson and C.L. Salazar. Production and sound design, Josh Beatty of JB Audio Design. Musical score, composed and performed by Greg Jackson and Diana Averill. For a bibliography of all primary and secondary sources consulted in writing this episode, visit historythatdoesntsuck.com. HTDS is supported by fans at patreon.com forward slash historythatdoesntsuck. Josh, CL, and I are beyond grateful to you kind souls providing funding to help us keep going. Thank you. And a special thanks to our patrons whose monthly gift puts them at producer status. Will Caldwell, Jason Carstens, Stephen Davis, Andrew Fortunati, Margaret Graves, Dex Jones, and John Leach. Join me in two weeks where I'd like to tell you a story. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, this is Matt from the Explorers Podcast. I want to invite you to join me on the voyages and journeys of the most famous explorers in the history of the world. These are the thrilling and captivating stories of Magellan, Shackleton, Lewis and Clark, and so many other famous and not-so-famous adventurers from throughout history. Go to explorerspodcast.com or just look us up on your podcast app. That's the Explorers Podcast.